Baker leans in, there's the snap, blitz comes, Mayfield back, loads, throws, picked up yes! by the Lions! Intercepted yes! by the Lions! Intercepted yes! by the Lions! Derek yes! Barnes! Derek Barnes! Derek Barnes! Oh, baby, 133 to go! Welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. I am Kyle Mikey, Lines beat writer for MLive, joined as always by Ben Raven. Um, I can barely contain my excitement, Ben. Uh, we're at Ford Field, where hours before, many, many hours before this recording, uh, the Lions won 31-23 over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a divisional round game. And if you don't know how the playoff works in the NFL, <laughs> which if you're a Lions fan, it's understandable. This is, <laughs> this is unknown territory. The Lions are going to the NFC Championship game for a play-in game to the Super Bowl. They'll face the 49ers out in the Bay Area. Ben, I guess, what are your initial reactions to um, everything we saw today? Everything about today felt like kind of like a weird out-of-body experience like that game ends Derek Barnes makes the pick and you're like you start writing it down you write it down you say it in your post-game videos it's like the Lions are one win away from the Super Bowl you're like what the Lions are one win away from the Super Bowl no 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 what the Lions are one win away from the Super Bowl and like we said it before we started recording we're wired we're energetic but we're exhausted at the same time and it's just this building man the electricity I mean these two playoff games I mean they take everything out of you, but in a good way because this crowd, man, two and zero at home in the playoffs. I think Dan Campbell said it best after the game, man. I'm exhausted. I didn't even play. So. <laughs> Dan Campbell's like, I didn't even play in this game, and I'm exhausted. Exactly. I did not see that quote exactly. Okay, good to know. I'm not alone. I was not on the field with the roaring, but oh my god, just like electric, man, electric, yeah. magnetic electricity. It it's an electricity that. That no one's seen, Ben, that no one has seen. I mean, listen, like this is a great sports town. It's one of the great things about being in sports in this town. And we've seen, maybe not so recently, but we've seen runs from the Tigers and the Pistons and the Red Wings over the years. And this town celebrates them. But there's no love like the love for the Detroit Lions. And we all knew that. Uh, I, you know, I, I would always say in interviews across the country over the years when I'd be asked about the Lions and inevitably it'd be something like, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, they must not have great fans or something. And I'm like, yeah. no, like you don't what you don't understand is that Detroit is a football town. People love the Lions and the Lions have have broken their heart so many times for so many years that, yeah, there's no hope. There, there, there's no real hope in the fan base. Everyone's always waiting for the next shoe to drop. But there's a sleeping giant in that town. And and when the Lions win, the roof will come off this city. And Ben, the roof is off. What we saw last week against the Rams was something that I'll never forget. The Like, I, you know, Dan Campbell said something about the hallways underneath Ford Field humming, like an actual physical vibration in the stadium. And I felt that in the press box. You can feel it in the air, an actual buzz. I don't know if this crowd quite reached those levels in terms of electricity. You know, there's the Matthew Stafford thing from last week and the anticipation of the first playoff win and all that. But in other ways, this felt also like in this game against the Bucks, the monkey was off the mm -hmm. back. You could just come out here and play football. And listen, this was a close game for a while. Tampa has a very good defense. The Lions had some issues breaking loose against it. But once Jared Goff started to cook in the third quarter, he completed 15 of, 15 of 16 passes at one point while reeling off three straight touchdown drives. 
this place was bumping. You could feel it. I got goosebumps a few times, and I'm just up here as a nonpartisan mm-hmm. watching the game um, to, to see what the Lions are doing right now, what it means to people in this town who – let, 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 just forget the fact that they had never seen the Lions win, but their parents have never seen the yeah. Lions win. Their grandparents have never seen the Lions win. To now see the Detroit Lions do what they have to do in pretty clinical fashion against Tampa, to go to a play-in game for the Super Bowl um, is really remarkable stuff that I think we're always going to remember. No, absolutely. And I uh, came from a very middle-class family growing up, but I was very blessed that my dad's company had season tickets to the Pistons during their historic run. And like, I was there for playoff wins and big moments and buzzer beating games. And the night that they hit the half court shot against the Nets. And it's like, nothing has matched these two weeks. And I think the difference between this week's atmosphere and last week was there were more peaks and valleys today, but the peaks, the peaks were unbelievable. Like I'll never forget the feeling when Derek Barnes comes down with that mm-hmm. interception. It was just insane. I, I I like blacked out like Derek Barnes said he blacked out. He's like, hey man, I didn't get hit on the head. There's no brain injury. There's no concussion, but I blacked out after I made that pick. And I was like, you know what, man? I blacked out too. All of a sudden I was just in the locker room after the game and it was just what a moment. I mean, everyone in here, just like last week, they will never forget this night for the rest of their lives. I mean, no matter what happens next weekend, this team has, as Aiden Hutchinson said, got over another mountain. They're trying to make this the norm, and that's how you do this. I mean, it felt more normal today. It, I, I've stopped feeling like I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. This team has showed me not to act like that anymore, and it's just... Well, I think you nailed it, Ben. I I, yeah. I really do because yeah. you know, listen, I got I I grew up in this state. I yeah. know what it means yep. to to be a Lions fan. Um, you know, I've been around this team now for twelve years. This is a team that will break your heart, no matter how good things are going or appear to be going, or you think they will go. Uh, it ends in heartbreak every time for sixty five years, and that kind of sustained, perpetual, never ending throat slashing. It, it changes your your DNA, your psyche, the way you think. Like, like you just get programmed to expect that shoe to drop. And this season has been all about defying that feeling. I mean, like they didn't have a single losing streak this year. Like, like this is a team that's different, but they go out there against the Rams. And I think a lot of people were, you know, while they had hoped the Lions would win that game, it was like, please, please don't do it again. Please don't do it again. And in this game against Tampa, while there were struggles along the way, I always thought the the Lions looked like the better team. They were never really ever in trouble in this game. They they were. I'm not. I don't think they ever trailed in this game. Um, it was relatively close throughout most of the game. Um, but when the Tampa got the ball back late in that game, I think it was about two minutes mm-hmm. left. I I think that feeling is still in the back of people's minds, even if. Yeah. This team has defied those expectations. They clearly have a different culture, a different DNA. Like this team is different, but there's something dark in the back of your head <laughs> after all those years of perpetual heartbreak that, hey, like this is what Lions football is about. And what do they do? They pick off the damn ball. They don't even give them a chance to get going. And and Baker was super heartbroken. He had some really like stirring comments after this game and while the Lions are, are on to, to San Francisco. Yeah, Baker, I, I also appreciate what Baker had to say about the city of Detroit, kind of compared it to that year in Cleveland he had breaking through. And it's just like, man, you could feel how long these people have been waiting for this. So it's just, 
y'all did it again. Y'all made an impact. And I mean, yeah, like you said, there was a, there was, there was never a feeling that they were going to blow this one, but like whenever you see a quarterback go 75 yards on a touchdown drive and like the blink of a freaking eye to all of a sudden make it a game again, you're like, uh Oh, <laughs> here they go. They got to actually close this one out. <laughs> and what do you know? The developmental linebacker that they spent three years building who was a defensive end at Purdue, makes one heck of a play in coverage with Aiden Hutchinson yelling another play at him. Hutchinson said, I was actually pissed off at Barnes before that play because he was ignoring me what I was saying. But Barnes said, hey, man, I saw the seam and I went for it. And it's just, what a cool moment for him and what a cool moment for this franchise. I mean, it's still weird to look down at the field and see the divisional markings on the field. Like, it's, it's, we're getting past it though, man. It's becoming the norm, man. 14 wins this year, including the playoffs. Yeah. A lot of wins. It's a lot of games. <laughs> it's a lot of games. <laughs> um, yeah, I think in a lot of ways, Derek Barnes kind of personifies this rise from the ashes for Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this guy, there's a lot of hopes for him. He got benched early on in his career in Detroit, um, played some good ball this year. And then what happens in Dallas? He misses Dak Prescott. Yeah. He misses him in the end zone. He had a clear shot at Dak Prescott and just missed him. And Dak Prescott throws what, I mean, it was what, like a 92-yard touchdown pass. And so, you know, he was kind of a marked man after that. I mean, it was kind of the difference in that game. Mm -hmm. I know he was, he took some offense to some ribbing that was happening (laughs) on social media over that play, that particular play. And a couple weeks later, he's the hero clinching a win in the divisional round to send the Lions to the NFC Championship game. And I keep restating, restating those things, Ben, because like, to, like, to make them real, like, like the Lions, the Lions are one game away. And to see a guy like Derek Barnes rise from the ashes to help this team that has risen from the ashes, there's, there's something poetic about it. No, there absolutely was. And he missed a couple tackles in today's game. And he was, he was the first to mention it. He's like, before that snap, I said to myself, you got to go make a play. You have let your teammates down today. And I mean, he is really one of those resilient guys i mean that's the word you've said it too the word that gets connected to this team is grit and like we said last week resiliency is close to that but resiliency is the first thing i think of when i think of this team it's the first thing i think of when i think of Derek barnes two years ago this was the third worst rated linebacker in football he looked lost every time he dropped down in coverage just unbelievable i mean we heard for three years Derek barnes is coming and he just made one of the most (laughs) memorable freaking plays in franchise history What's going on, everyone? Ben Raven with MLive's Detroit Lions Beat here. Just want to point you in the direction of MLive's new Dungeon of Doom Insider Tech service. Sign up now for a 14-day free trial. And then after that, it's only $4.99 a month to text with myself, to text with Kyle Monkey, and to text with Corey Woods. And not only are you going to get updates and analysis from us with some one-on-one individual conversations on the side, but you're going to be on the front line to be featured on MLive's Dungeon of Doom podcast when we come calling for mailbag questions. Once again, check out joinsubtext.com slash Dungeon of Doom. 14-day free trial, $4.99 after that. I want to talk about the offense. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you have to talk about Jared Goff. Um, you know, the, the Bucks have one of the best run defenses in the league. Vita Vea is a 347-pound sledgehammer in the middle. Um, you know, they're they're tough to run on. They, they were, I think, top three this year against the run. The Lions knew coming into this game they were going to have to to ride Jared Goff. And to be frank, Jared Goff kind of sputtered early on. It wasn't um, terrible football, but it wasn't great football. It certainly wasn't what we saw last week against LA. Uh, he put one ball in harm's way during that stretch. 
Yep, exactly. Oh, right. That's the appropriate <laughs> noise. <laughs> um, got away with it, but sometimes you need a little luck in this game. And listen, Ben, they're t- they're tied 10-10 uh, in the third quarter. Um, you know, half of their first six possessions were three and outs. There was I mean, there were some struggles. There was not rhythm to what they were doing offensively. And from that point on, 15 of 16 for Jared Goff. Three straight touchdown drives where he was instrumental. He had the 29-yard pass to Brock Wright, um, had another pass of like 10 yards to Amon Ra to get them to the goal line, which all of which led to a touchdown. Next drive, uh, I think it was two passes of 30 yards to Josh Reynolds and, and Jameer Gibbs. Um, leads to a Gibbs uh, touchdown run that was one of my favorite plays of this whole oh, game. It, it, the, the, uh, just electricity and then stiff arming and all pro safety as you go into the end, end zone adds some like beauty to it, I would say. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, they, they the defense gets a three and out. And for me, this was the crucial point in the game. You, you've, you've taken a seven-point lead in a game where it's really been back and forth and you haven't been able to separate. And you get the ball back after that defensive stand and you've got a chance to separate. And doing that changes the complexion of this game. Being able to play from ahead by two scores changes the complexion of this game. And Jared Goff didn't miss. And that includes on third and 15. That was ridiculous. Oh, I, that might be my favorite play of the whole game. Yeah. St. Brown comes back for the ball. I think he's maybe a two yards short, give or take, of the line of gain. And basically drags a defender across the line of gain for a first down. And then boom, boom, boom. It's two more straight uh, completions for Jared Goff. And then hits, of course, who else? Amon Ra going into the end zone of the slot right um, for a nine-yard touchdown. You're up 31-17 at that point. I mean, the the game is totally different at that point. You have put away the Bucs. And yeah, they kept coming. But the lines were really never seriously threatened again. Yeah, I thought uh, that defense, you know, deserves a ton of credit what they've done all year. And um, first time we played them wasn't easy, and, and this time wasn't easy at all either. And, and it kind of um, took until then to kind of break the game open on, in a way. And um, they're stingy, man. They're really stingy. And, and we started to be able to move the ball there a little bit in the fourth quarter. And, and that final dri- touchdown drive there was, was big. Yeah, golf wasn't great in the beginning, Ben. But I really, I mean, you saw the stones yeah. that guy has Absolutely. in the face of pressure with a crowd chanting his name. And yeah, he's not having his best game. And he goes out there in the clutch in the second half against a great defense yeah. and puts him away. Yeah, and the thing about that throw to St. Brown, the touchdown throw, we looked at each other multiple times <laughs> during that game and we're like, they're off, man. They're just off right now. The timing is off. And I mean, that throw they hit in the back of that end zone, they had missed that three or four times in that game. Like it was just off. It was too long. The timing was off. And it was like almost that thing where you're messing up something you think you're you're used to being automatic. And it's like, screw that. I'm going back to that. I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. And finally, finally they broke through because it was kind of a struggle throwing to the sideline, throwing outside of the middle of the field for a little bit there. And then just the Jared Goff reminder, man, of just why he's the perfect fit for this offense and the pieces around him because St. Brown, Laporta, and what he continues to get out of Josh Reynolds has been just so vital to this team's success. I covered, um, I think, uh, I don't know, a decade of Matthew Stafford's career in Detroit. Really good player. It's wild for me, Ben, to see Jared Goff, to see him chanted, his name chanted by the fans two weeks in a row as he goes out to midfield for the coin flip. Like yeah. this is an athletic yeah. touchdown to whatever. Like <laughs> it, to to see the coronation of Jared Goff in Detroit has really been 
something. And it clearly means something to him. He's been asked about it mm-hmm. after the last two games. And he said after the first game, like, I, that's never happened to me before. And I don't think it'll ever happen again. And it happened again seven <laughs> days later. <laughs> um, and and I, 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 Ben, like I wrote uh, on I'm Live, you know, he's basically one win or certainly two wins away from having his name name chanted forever in Detroit. Man, I, it, seriously. And it's like, it's almost like the fan base knows what they need to do to put their support behind that quarterback because Jared won't admit to it. He won't admit to it to us. He won't admit to it in front of a camera. But like last week, that meant something. Yeah. Getting over that hump, hearing that support, facing the team that gave up on you. And then two weeks in a row to feel the full freaking support of 66,000 plus fans. Because once again, man, the second they showed his freaking face on that video board, walking down the tunnel an hour and 20 minutes before kickoff, this place went into another gear. That buzz came back. And I mean, there's just, there's something to say about when a guy connects with a city. I mean, we felt it. We've seen it across the four major sports teams here before. But like right now, the quarterback of a Detroit Lions playoff team that's heading to the NFC title game, who gets to face the team that he grew up rooting for in the state that he grew up as a kid, I, it's just, he's confident. He's home. I said it last week. This guy has found his home and this fan base is largely responsible for boosting his confidence to just even greater heights. I mean, he was already confident and comfortable here, but like what they've done in these two weeks, I mean, I I, I don't think you'll ever see Jared Goff go back to the 2021 version of himself, at least mentally again. Can you name the last Lions quarterback to win multiple playoff games? Dude, I, I don't, I, I don't, I can don't do that. stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a spoiler here. You can't, it's, <laughs> it's Tobin wrote in 1957. No chance. And before that, Bobby Lane. Yeah, okay. And before that, nobody. That's it. Tobin wrote Bobby Lane yeah. and now Jared Goff. And listen, like he's not a perfect quarterback, yeah. but like there's very few Patrick Mahomes in the mm-hmm. history of the world. Um, most quarterbacks, like look at Matthew Stafford. He couldn't win Detroit. Exactly. He's obviously a Super Bowl caliber talent. He just needed a better roster to do it in LA and he did it. And now Jared Goff has got that supporting cast in Detroit. And we're really seeing the unfurling of Jared Goff, like just in terms of the personnel that's around him, the scheme that's been built around him. And going back to what you said, the confidence that's been reinstilled inside him. Like just to put it point blank, like he was given up on yes. in LA. They they benched him late in that last season there. They traded him while Sean McVay was sipping umbrella drinks in Cabo. With Matthew Stafford and their wives, like there's nothing good about what happened. And, and Goff felt that. And something I thought was interesting that Jordan Rodriguez said in the podcast a few weeks ago was just how much Jared Goff was beat up in practice in L.A. They were instilling a new defense there. And Sean McVay let that defense really go after um, Jared Goff one-on-ones. And it really eroded at his confidence. And he 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 showed up here like he heard the howls. He knew what people said. And yet he said to us publicly, I think I'm still the guy and everything. But I think even he had to wonder, like, I'm on a clock here. You know, like these guys got a bunch of first round picks the next few years. Like, and this is my last, ch- perhaps my last best right. chance to be a franchise quarterback in this league. And it didn't go well for a little while. And then Ben Johnson was promoted. Dan Campbell took over the play calling. And really since that very moment, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And now we're seeing the the, the total coronation of Jared Goff as, as Detroit's quarterback. They're singing his name from the rafters. And again, if he wins one or two more games this season, Ben, they, they will be singing his name forever. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, just, I think they're already going to be singing his freaking name forever after what he's done this year. But yeah, it's just, I don't, 
I don't think people on the outside looking in truly grasp how momentous of a fact that this team is in the NFC title game really is just on its own, man. We're three years and one day removed from Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes getting hired here. Three freaking years after trading the best quarterback in franchise history at that point for draft picks and a, a guy that, like we just said, the Rams gave up on. And I mean, it's just, if Brad Holmes doesn't win executive of the year, I have a hard time figuring out who does. I wrote that story with that headline four weeks ago. So I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel very good about that, that post, um, that take, I mean, look at the roster. Like we've talked about golf and St. Brown and some of the stars, but dude, Craig Reynolds scored a fourth down touchdown run, you know, Bro- Brock Wright, um, had the 29 yard catch and run. And by the way, that's basically the same concept that he yeah. beat the jets for on that, um, 51 yard TD on fourth down last year against the jets. Like he's a blocking tight end. So like once a year, like Ben Johnson, <laughs> just like, Hey, fake, like you're going to block and then just run around to the other side of the line of scrimmage. We're going to throw you a wide open pass, which is what happened both times. And you're going to, you're going to run forever. Um, and Ben Johnson, by the way, is a tight ends coach, a former tight ends yeah. coach. Like he knows how to use those guys and he's used them very well. Uh, in this game, the Lions also lost Jonah Jackson at left guard and KO at Awasika goes in there and plays good ball. Um, defensively, you got guys stepping up all over the field. Derek Barnes, uh, to name one <laughs> with the, the game winning touch or the game winning, uh, interception. Like this isn't a game where Amon Ra went off for 200 yards and so on. Like, you had end of the bench guys or be- or backups certainly playing huge pivotal roles. I mean that fourth down play at the one yard line, and they're like, okay, they're going for it. Wait, is that really number thirteen in the backfield? And he's running behind Frank Reg now, who's got like basically one good leg, uh, and they score the touchdown. Um, and then you look at the rookie class that comes in this year. I mean, Brian Branch led them in tackles, yep. had a couple uh, sacks or tackles for loss. Um, you know, Jameer Gibbs scored a long touchdown, led, led them in rushing. Um, Laporta had, uh, he led them in catches in this game. I mean, it's just from the draft classes to the, to the free agents, to the, to the stars of the mm-hmm. franchise, to the guys at the bottom of the roster, guys like Craig Reynolds stepping up again against Tampa. It really is a show full of force for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and what they've built here. Absolutely it is. I mean, Malafonwu, man, another one and a half sacks today. Another big play in coverage. I know he got flagged for the one, but like that guy and Derek Barnes coming from their first draft class around these parts and making plays in a moment like this, those guys, this team sticking with guys like that. I mean, that's just, that is trust in your gut. And like most football executives trust their gut when they reach this level, but like that is... They had a clear plan. They had a clear vision for these guys. And the fact that it's coming to freaking light in the divisional round with the Lions winning two playoff games in the same season for the first time in the Super Bowl era, like that, that's nothing to scoff at, man. It's just Hutchinson, man. Eight sacks in his last four games. I mean, it's all it's drafted guys. And then you get the big splash signing, CJ Gardner Johnson, soon to be CD Deuce interception and freaking flips the ball to Baker. I, I love that. And he's already talking it's- to Debo Samuel. <laughs> CD, I'm not sure what they showed on TV. I, I don't know what they showed on TV, but when 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 uh, CJ Garner Johnson, CD Deuce, whatever you want to call him, exactly. when he ran out of the tunnel in this game, he was wearing a ski mask, and he didn't like announce it like he did the last time and try to get fans in a sort of you know impassioned but maybe corny way to do the same. Like he runs out, and he's sticking his tongue out through a ski mask, and it's like, oh man, this guy who just tr- spent a week trading words with Baker Mayfield and was really really upset about it. We can't really 
say what he right. said in the locker room because it was like off the record. He was this guy who's the biggest mouth in the whole league was like, yeah, I'm not going to talk to you guys because he was upset about it being out in the news. And also, I think he knew what he was going to say, which was going to be some real shit. <laughs> and he didn't want to get fined or or, or or have something even more serious, uh, I don't know, come out, whatever. But it, it, I'm telling you people, having been in that locker room and hearing what he was saying, which again, I can't really repeat because it's off the record, yep. but he was pissed. And clearly it bothered him what, what Baker Mayfield had said. And he comes out here in a ski mask. And one series into this game, he's picking off <laughs> Baker Mayfield and along on the sideline, flipping the ball to him. I mean, it's really just like a beautiful moment wow. of football poetry. <laughs> you cannot properly explain to people who haven't been in that locker room the type of fire that yeah. is in that guy's eyes. He yeah. will scare the living crap out of you in certain instances. And he scared a lot of us the other day when he was pissed off about what we can't really talk about. But that's just... It's so easy to see why they wanted him. I mean, not just as a football player, but what he does bring. I mean, I know yeah. it can be distracting at some times, but like I think tonight it proved to be a good distraction because that type of aggression, that type of fire, and those type of plays, I mean, that's why this team is still alive. That's why they're in the Final Four. Ben, why, how many times have I told you in the locker room, in a hushed tone, Ben, that guy scares me. Once <laughs> like, a week. <laughs> like, I've been doing this since 2013 on this BF cover. Every every Lions player since. Like, there's been no one, no one, yeah. not a single player ever who has scared me to, t like, more than CJ Gardner-Johnson. The guy, like, the guy is such a loose cannon. He's so passionate. He burns yeah. hot. Um, it can be, yeah, he can be rough around the edges. Sometimes he doesn't say the right thing. But he brings an edge and a swagger, I mean, uh, that I don't think anyone else can and probably a few others in the whole league can. And when you pair it with the ball hawking that he has, um, he's just a great fit for a defense that had, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. some talent, but they didn't have swagger. And with him on the field, it feels like a different defense. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it's the point I keep coming back to when those young safeties are on the field with him or when they're coming on for him, they're better. Kirby Joseph is better when number two's in the lineup. Melifanu has looked like the same Melifanu that broke out in December with do some in the lineup. It's just, I don't know what's going to happen with him in the off season, but he yeah. feels part of this DNA. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I don't know the answer to that question. They, they might not either. They do have two pretty good young safeties no, no. and Al <laughs> and Joseph. So maybe that's one where you don't, you say, Hey, we can't afford you for 7 million or 6 million or whatever it's going to yeah. cost to get something done. Um, but he's clearly a fit and clearly a good player. And you do wonder what this defense would have looked like if he was healthy the whole year. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ben, they have they got a game next week in San Francisco against the 49ers. Um, you know, kind of like what Frank Rangnow said after the game, like like usually we're at home for two weeks by now. <laughs> and the Lions are gonna get ready for a a play-in game for the Super Bowl. Um, we haven't done our homework on the 49ers. We were locked in on this game, but early reactions to the Lions 49ers matchup. I mean, they're going through the NFC's best team. I mean, there were peaks and valleys in the NFL this year, but the Niners, even when they were down, they were the Niners. I mean, they, they're they a powerhouse. They, they're they a system powerhouse, and they're a powerhouse, and they're one of the best, if not the best coach team in the league. But, I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to is Dan Campbell versus Kyle Shanahan. Like, what layers to this game? Beautiful run fits across the board. It's just uh, in San Francisco, man, Lions at 49ers, NFC title game. It does not get more romantic than that for football lovers and jared goff going back to the exactly. bay <laughs> exactly against the, yeah a lot of fun storylines um i do i do recall a day in the press room um mid-season sometime i don't know 
time's a flat circle. Everything's a blur right now, but it was mid season sometime. And we were just talking with the lions and this, this is pretty early on probably week six, week seven, if I was ballparking it. And I remember us talking about how, if there's a single team in the whole league that resembles the lions and what they're trying to build and what they want to be, it's the San Francisco 49ers, a very talented team with very versatile offensive skill players, but their identity is about physicality and wanting to rush the football. And they do that with Christian McCaffrey. They got their, their Amon Ra and Debo Samuel, who's one of the best in the league. I know he got hurt the other night. I don't know what his status is. Again, I've been in a wormhole. <laughs> no, yeah. But um, it, it's going to be a tough challenge. I will say the Lions, you know, the 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 thing I hang my hat on with this team, it, it I don't really understand it. For a team that's so young and inexperienced, and especially in moments like these, that it still somehow plays its best football in these kinds of moments. Yeah. And we've seen it going back even to the finale of last season in Green Bay, when Green Bay's playing yeah. for its playoff life, Lions have nothing left to play for, and they go out there and smack them in the face. And they come out this year on Banner Day in Kansas City, and they're hanging out rings and everything, and the Lions go out there and they win the game. Um, and they go into Green Bay two weeks later, or whatever it was. And I mean, that's a different Packers team back then, mm-hmm. but like kill the Packers yeah. at Lambeau. Um, I think they've only lost one primetime game in the last six now. Uh, yeah, five and one. And the one was the controversial loss in Dallas. That was the one time, and you should have won that game. Yeah. I mean, exactly. it was taken away from them. Let's be frank. Yeah. Um, they're one of the five youngest teams in the league. They have no history of where they are right now. And yet you see them come out here against the Bucks, a team that's been to this game more than any other team in the last four years. Yeah. And they look like the more polished, more like ready for the moment team. Um, and so when they go out to San Francisco, yeah, this is a team that hasn't been to a conference championship game since 91, hasn't won multiple playoff games ever. ever. I, I guess going back to 57, <laughs> yeah, right? 57. When they won the NFC, the NFL championship. Um but at the same time, this this see, this feels like who they are. You mentioned grit and resilience earlier, but that's what this team is, right? Like they have defied all expectations. They they go out there in these moments where teams usually do struggle when they haven't been there before, and they play their best football in those moments. And so, yeah, like the 49ers, they're going to be a, a different, better challenge than the Bucks. They have incredible players. Um, they're well-balanced, a, t- a ferocious defense. And the Lions do have some injuries to tend to up front. Mm-hmm. And Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow is a little banged up, although he expects to play in San Francisco. So that'll that, that'll be a that'll be a tough challenge, Ben. But like, mm-hmm. I like I don't have a pick for you right now. We gotta like you know assess the situation a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, yeah. But <laughs> but I wouldn't bet against the Lions. In no way in my mind are they going to get blown out. Like this is not going to be an ugly game. This is not going to be anything like the Ravens game earlier this season because I do think the 49ers and the Ravens are the two best teams in the league. The Lions will get a chance at the other one. But like, yeah, I need to get in on that. We'll have our – let's save our predictions for the midweek pod once <laughs> Ooh, we get like to look that. into I it like a little that. bit. You know, tease the people a little bit. But there's <laughs> no way in my mind this team gets blown out. I don't give a crap where it is, who it's against. They're not getting blown out by anybody anymore. Ben, this was – um fun for lack of a better word you know we've done this for a long time you and i especially me (laughs) like going back to 2013 and we've seen some dark dark days i was thinking about frank ragnow today because you know he had the injury in this game and he comes back out there doesn't even doesn't even miss an offensive snap uh playing through four different injuries literally that's not hyperbole he came into this one with toe knee and back injuries and then he gets rolled up on in this one goes back out there he's paving 
Coles at the four, you know, on a fourth and one play at the goal line, um, <laughs> I guess a 350 pounder, um, yeah. just remarkable stuff. And, you know, we were talking to him after the game and I'm like, man, you spend every day after Thanksgiving in last place for four years, you were, you were, you were in the dumps for four, the first four years of your playing career. And to see you persevere and come out the other side of it. You just reflect on, I mean, me specifically, my career and uh, all the tough days and uh, the frustrating seasons where we're, I'm home by now already for two weeks, you know. And uh, to be here today when we're taking, uh, we're in victory formation and looking at the crowd is just, it's hard to describe. Like he had said, it was meant a lot to Frank Ragnow to be out there in the victory formation yeah. at the end of this game and to the look into the crowd and to see people just losing their, their freaking minds and what this means to Detroiters. I mean, people crying in the stands as we saw last week. Um, it's really just, it's, it's fun. It's, it's really a unique powerful thing that we're seeing in Detroit, the, this fever that has swept, uh, swept through the city. I, I live in the city of Detroit and you can't walk into Honeybee or Whole Foods or any other grocery store in this freaking city without <laughs> seeing Lions fans, hearing people talk about the Lions. Uh, I was in a store the other day and someone's singing the fight song. Like, it, like it's just really, it's it's a unique time in Detroit and, and their football team. Uh, which has uh, beat them down for so long, now continues to prevail. It's just, this whole season's been unforgettable and special from the beginning. And just to know that there were greater heights ahead is just, I'll, I'll never forget it. I mean, these are these are moments that you hang your career's hat on at the end of the day. And <laughs> Once I can take a deep breath and get a couple of nights of sleep, I'm sure I will think to myself, that was fun. <laughs> I enjoyed that. Right now I'm a stress monster, but... Um, such as life, I guess, yeah. covering a, a good football team, which uh, which we have been. It's it's, an, it's a very good football team, and it's so well balanced. You you take away the run like the uh, Bucks did today, and they'll beat you at the pass. And you try to uh, take away the pass, and they'll beat you on the ground. And by the way, they're playing pretty darn good defense now for about a month and a half or two months straight. Um, it's a good team, and they can beat anyone. And that's, that doesn't mean they'll beat the 49ers. The 49ers are a great team, too. Mm -hmm. um, they'll have to play a great game, but this we're seeing a team um capable of of it all yeah they've surprised us more than beating one team like that all year so can't count them out it's a whole new world lions 31 bucks 23 the lions are on to san francisco for the nfc championship game so all we got um we'll be back uh, midweek with a, a setup for the nfc championship game farewell to four field for the season You guys, you guys are unbelievable, man. I, I'm telling you, we talked about it all, all year. This started a long time ago. You're built for this. You're you built for this, man. And look what you guys did. You went out there and the way, it's another hot team that we knocked off. It's the next hot team that you knock off. Do you know how hard it is to win this league in the playoffs? Do you understand what you're doing right now? What we're capable of? That's two. All right, that's two. We got two to go. With a bye in the middle. With a bye in the middle.